Welcome to the Millerville Community Church Podcast. MCC is a non-denominational country-style church, just a short 20-minute drive from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Although we're often considered a cowboy church, we're actually a community of diverse people from many different backgrounds who have a common commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And now, the message from Sunday morning at MCC. We're doing a testimony Sunday today, and so you heard Jolene, and we had the kids up here. This is Micah and Brian Neufeld, and um, I'll turn the mic over to them. For those of you who don't know us, as I said, we're the Neufelds. This is Brian, and I'm Micah. We have a blended family. We may have met our children. Brandon is our oldest son. He's 24 and lives in Calgary. No grandchildren yet. Our next oldest son is Zachary and our daughter Jaden, who are 16 and twins. They're both driving now, so could always use your prayers for safety. Finally, our youngest son is Dalton, who is 12, almost 13. You may have heard each of our younger three share their testimony when they were baptized not that long ago. Brian will tell you more about his history, but I grew up on a grain farm 20 miles out of a town of 200 people. The town was Lomond, which was about 45 minutes to the nearest city, being Vulcan. My parents had a farm, oil field service company, and restaurant. I worked on all three at various times throughout my childhood. My family was not religious. I had the opportunity to go to camp each summer, Southern Alberta Bible Camp, a great camp that most of the local kids went to whether they were religious or not. It was actually after my sister came home from camp one time and impressed upon me the urgency to actually ask Jesus into my heart that I became a Christian. After that, I found a local church that had a youth group that seemed to always be doing fun stuff. My parents were great about driving me whenever I wanted to go to church or youth. My mom always had a belief, but we never really talked about it much, and my dad was not really a fan of discussing church. The church that I went to was a non-denominational church called the Gospel Lighthouse. I really felt at home there. I felt like I was part of something big. We studied small bits of scripture and discussed it in groups, which I loved. In my teenage years, I went back and forth between being committed to still attending and adhering to the teachings, and then completely falling off the rails. When I moved to the city after graduation, I was a single mom with a two-year-old son. I didn't find a church and sort of forgot about needing to. I prayed a lot and often did daily devotionals, but didn't find a home in a church until I was really struggling and found Westside King's Church, which not unlike Millerville, had a break and served coffee, so that was a bonus. (laughs) Pretty much sold me. Again, I went in bursts of feeling lost, coming to the church, and then slipping away slowly as things got better. The biggest earthly part of being in the kingdom for me was rubbing shoulders with those people who just oozed love and joy and excitement about Jesus. I felt like you couldn't help but have them rub off on you. I prayed, and generally God took care of my needs. When I needed money, it seemed to show up. When I needed community, advice, etc., it seemed to show up when I prayed about it. In fact, I started to say out loud that I'm a good prayer, like I had some secret. For nearly as long as I can remember, I believed, but all too often in my life, that belief became a background And as expected, that led to not living or even attempting to live a Christ-like life. I will get into it a bit more later, but basically, by only living in the joy and confidence of being saved, but not in the word, had me pretty much a yo-yo most of my life, back at church and then away. Eventually, as I will explain a bit later, I found my way back for the first time in my life, building a true foundation in the word. I was married in 2003 and had Dalton in 2006. Unfortunately, my husband started heavily using drugs and drinking when working in the oil field, And I made a decision for the safety of my children to leave him in 2008, and he checked out entirely. I was a single mom again. 
In 2013, Brian and I met. We have been navigating a blended family and parenting together since then, almost seven years ago. We have Dalton full-time, and Jane and Zachary are with us half the time. Brian, of course, is all grown up and out on his own. Brian became the dad Dalton had not previously had, and in all senses, is Dalton's very real dad. If you ever ask Dalton how many siblings he has, he will say 12. <laughs> this is a bit of a long story, but he counts every child of every parent of all the siblings and step-siblings. Trust me, I haven't been that busy. <laughs> After graduating college, I was briefly a geotech before the patch crashed. Since then, I have pretty much always been in some form of real estate, working for a developer, a mortgage banker, flipping houses, and now for the past nine years as the manager and paralegal for a law firm in Okotoks. Before I really get started, I need to get something off my chest. I know this is my testimony, meaning my God story. However, everyone does such a great job that I find it pretty profound. I don't know I can make that promise or if I have anything you might not already know. So I will tell you my story and what nuggets I have found that have made a difference for me or affected my understanding, and hopefully you'll find something interesting in it. I also have to say I often write down things that I find of particular value, but I don't usually write the source. So if I quote you in here and don't give you credit, my apologies. Some things I feel have jumped out at me are from scripture, some from other people sharing, some are from Beth or Pastor John. Most things I say that you might find profound are quite likely not my own epiphany, but my take on someone else's that as they applied to me. I'll turn it over to Brian to catch up. I had the privilege of being born into a long line of believers. Well, I'm going to start this right away, I guess. <laughs> um, as far back as you look, you will find strong Christians in my family tree, some of them possibly even hanging from it. Um, Many pastors, leaders, and leaders in our church, lots of deacons, lots of elders. I first asked Christ into my heart when I was six years old. I don't remember all the details or why I chose at that time to do it, but I do remember saying a prayer with my dad at our home in Didsbury. Growing up in the church, I learned all the rules. I learned what to say. I learned how to act, and I could judge others' actions with the best of them. We were some... We were in some form of church activity or what, what felt like every night of the week. Um, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, um, prayer meetings on Wednesdays, youth on Fridays, some Saturdays. Oh, and not to mention the potlucks, the Sunday, Sunday lunches. Being involved in so much church and growing up in a small, small community, I was the stereotypical pastor's kid. I played the part, went around the church people, but got in a chunk of mischief, mischief when I was out of sight and out of earshot. As a teen, I was involved in everything the church had going on, and even though Dad was no longer a pastor, I was still treated like the pastor's kid. Everything I did was judged just a little bit harsher. At least that's what I thought. I did enjoy many of the activities that came with growing up uh, in the church. I was the youth president, I was a camp counselor, Sunday school teacher, all the fun stuff. Even though I was very involved in the church growing up, I never ever really felt connected. I resented all the rules and the regulations that came along with being a Christian. Um, don't get me wrong, I never once wavered in my belief in Christ. I knew I was saved. Uh, and I've always had faith and always believed. I just hated the rules. So much so that I would break them very regularly. 
One weekend in my senior high school, in my senior year of high school, I broke them so bad that I decided to go to Bible college. <laughs> Where better to get a good understanding of the rules and that I was supposed to live by? Needless to say, Bible college and I did not get along. I had a ton of fun, though, so much so that I ended up on academic probation within three months. Yes, semester number one. I was grounded by a bunch of people who were not my parents. This was a shining moment for my family, especially considering I was, I think, the fourth generation Newfeld to attend that college. I was like royalty, and I was acting like a spoiled little prince. While Bible college had some great moments, I still ran into the rules of being a Christian. I'd love to spend the rest of the afternoon uh, regaling with you my stories of terrorizing the deans and finding ways to break the rules, but I know Micah has a lot to share, so I'll try and keep this brief. The next many years were basically me running from the church. Never from my faith, just from the church. You see, I never, I never felt connected. I knew Christ saved me, and I was thankful for that, but I just never felt at home in church. I would go when my family was in town, but mostly just went on with my life. After living in Vancouver for 13 years, I finally moved back to Calgary. Within a few months, met and married Jaden and Zachary's mom. Things never really worked out very well there. And due to circumstances outside of my control, I found myself divorced and the single father of, of young twins. My kids and my job became my life, and for the next eight years, it was just us. It wasn't, if, it, if I wasn't with my kids, I was at work, no time for anything else, until I met Micah, that is. We met online and hit it off right away. She says that she saw a light around me when she looked at my profile picture. I didn't have the heart to tell her that was just the sun bouncing off the bald spots. <laughs> we blended our, we bended our families and gained two more sons, and I gained two more sons, Dalton and Brandon. We truly are the definition of a blended family. We have all the blessings and the struggles of bringing two families together. But I would say that the blessings far outweigh the other. We moved to Millerville in 2016, and that's when life seemed to stop cooperating. We had moved from a 2,000 square foot house into a 900 square foot house, where most of our bedrooms are in the basement. Brandon moved back home for a bit, and my dad was living, us, living with us so that he could care for my mom, who was in a care home. So if you're counting, that's seven people in 900 square feet. We were so excited to move out to Millerville and have an acreage. My dream for some time has been to have a place to raise my own food and to become as self-sufficient as possible. I'm not a doomsdayer, but a bunker might be fun. <laughs> we basically traded our big house in town for lots of yard, and we thought we were on our way. We found the Millerville Church, and it was the first time either of us had felt at home in a church for a very long time. We tried several dis different churches over the previous years, and nothing seemed to fit. MCC was different. We felt at peace. People took an interest in, in trying to get to know us, and for a couple of shy people like us, that's a task. You guys have done well. Let me get back to how life started to not cooperate. In just a few months of moving out here, our house flooded. Not once, not twice, but three times. Over the next year, first it was an overland flood. It ran in the windows. 
Then seeping through the basement walls and floors was the second time, and finally the grand finale, the spring, which, would, which had once supplied our house with uh, drinking water, decided to go underground and relocate under the house. Adding to that, it was a very cold winter, and the pipe that drained the weeping, si weeping tile system that we had no idea existed froze, and that pressure from that spring um, started pushing into the house. It's now February, and we have several inches of fresh, clean spring water in our basement. Remember how I said we had seven people in that 900 square feet? Well, without a basement, it's no longer 900 square feet. We had to put our two boys in the loft in our shop. Mike and I moved into the camper in February, and my dad and Jaden were on the main floor of the house. We had to rip up the concrete and basically start over with an entirely new French drain system to deal with all the water. That drain pipe that we didn't know existed now has a very expensive submersible um, heat tape in it. We're still not 100% back together, but we are back in the house. That was trying enough on our family, I'm sure. We were in the camper for 11 months through parts of two separate winters. It gets worse. During that time, in that summer, Micah was in a, hor at a, a horseback accident where she broke her pelvis in three places. She broke, broke, broke her back in two places and her wrist, which actually required several surgeries. She had a brain bleed where she lost her memory for a bit. At least that's what she tells me. <laughs> Funny part is she never forgot any of the, uh, any of the um, what was I going to say? Stuff that I needed reminding of or convincing of. Just the convenient stuff. Anyway, she spent nearly a month in the hospital and then several months with a walker and, phys and physio. It would be an understatement to say that it was very trying for each of us. More her than me, though. Try, try needing a walker while you're living in a camper. Around the same time, we were finally back in the house, and Micah was, for the most part, back to full function. We also became the victims of the economy, and unfortunately, I ended up having to close my business and get an actual job. Adding to the financial pressures of that, we had our, our house in Oak still hadn't sold. We, have, we had what we thought was renters that were going to buy it who one day just walked out, and now we're back to having to rent and find a way to sell this house in one of the worst um, selling economies there is. And all over that, in the middle of that somewhere, I don't, right now I'm not even sure where it happened, but somewhere in there, my mom went home to be with the Lord. And through this, we stopped attending church. We stopped attending for over a year. I, for the first time, had liked church. I was attending, but even with this, life was just getting in the way. So we continued to try and look after ourselves and our crumbling dreams and hopes. And we tried to do that our, on our own. One day, I'm not sure how long ago, but Micah said to me that she was going back to church. She even said I didn't have to come, which was unusual because normally when she says I want to do something, it means we should do something. Uh, I guess that's God's way of telling me that I needed to get back as well. Micah fell in love with church again immediately. She loved Beth's sermons. She loved the way Beth explained what she was talking about, so much so that, we found, that when we found out that Pastor John might be coming, 
she was potentially a little upset. <laughs> I, on the other hand, was on the other side. Don't get me wrong. I love listening to Beth. But for the first time, when I, the first time I heard Pastor John preach from this pulpit, I said, there's a change coming. And it's funny how God works. I knew at that moment I was going to be stretched. I knew I was going to be pushed. But it's all for the good. When we were asked to do this, to share our testimony, and I'm not a public speaker, I immediately said yes. I didn't hesitate. There was, it was this peace that, yes, we have to do this. I didn't know why. I, ha I, I really had no idea why. But after listening to my wife prepare this past few weeks, I now know why. So I won't go much longer so you can hear what I have had the privilege of hearing for the past few weeks and what I've had the privilege of watching develop. But I will say this. Despite the seemingly endless streak of challenges we have faced, our faith is strengthened and it is stronger than it has ever been for each of us, differently for each of us, but stronger. We don't exactly know what God's plan is at the moment, but I can tell you that I'm sure looking forward to find out. Since we began attending the Millerville Church, it has been an interesting spiritual journey together, separately, and for our children. I think it was Jaden who re recently said when we were discussing how to discern God's will that maybe the only reason we felt pulled to come out here was to find this church so that we would experience the growth that we have experienced. And now, give it back to Micah. As Brian explained, we are currently at a place where I would have thought that we would be at a prime place for losing faith. However, quite the opposite has happened. When things started to unravel and one thing started piling on top of another, we quite literally took to prayer, begging for help, asking for him to reveal his will. Unfortunately, it seemed like for the first time in my life, I wasn't so good at praying. It seemed as though God had gone silent. I had periods of frustration, whys, why not, what am I doing wrong? I just couldn't seem to figure out where God was. My whole life prayer had worked for me. Every time I was in great need, help showed up. I started to wonder if I was missing something. Maybe there was a secret something I had accidentally done before when I prayed that made it work. I started listening harder at church. I started praying and then opening the Bible to a random spot. I stopped missing church and ensuring we were nearly always here. Still, it felt like he was silent. I couldn't understand how when never more in my life had I wanted him to reveal his will, he wasn't. Why wouldn't he want me to know? I'd surely listen right now. Life is harder than ever, so I certainly don't have anything to lose. But still, despite this sincere desire, nothing but silence. Finally, a passage popped out at me. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not a thing made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkest darkness comprehended it not. It dawned on me, and it was like I heard aloud and clear, how could I possibly expect to hear or understand his will when I really don't know his word? The word is God talking to me, revealing his will. That is when I decided learning in church wasn't enough. I needed to read the Bible. I had tried many times before. I think I read Genesis about 12 times. It was time to get serious. How long was this going to take? I started Googling. I do that a lot. It said it should only take 72 hours to read the Bible. That's not so bad, right? 
in the perspective of eternal life, 72 hours seems pretty doable. So I started with a passion to get it done. I needed to find the secret to understanding his will because life was imploding. This was urgent. I needed to get the big picture. I got the audio Bible on my phone and would listen on my 45-minute commute to and from work. Anytime we were driving or I was walking, I had my earbuds in listening. Every morning and night, I would spend an hour at least reading and underlining what I'd listened to while driving. I got serious about it, and I accomplished reading it between September and October of last year. Sometimes I felt compelled to do something. For example, I wrote down everything in the Gospels that it tells you to pray for. It tells you to pray a lot. <laughs> I'm sure Beth was a little sick of me over that couple months, as often I would read something that seemed odd, unfair, or outside of my understanding. Sometimes it made me angry. So on Sunday, I would corner Beth and say something like, and why would he do this? How is that fair? How can he be loving and have wrath? You know, simple five-minute questions, right, Beth? <laughs> Finally, I was done. Although I didn't find one big secret for me, surely now that I read all of his word, he would specifically tell me his will, right? Nope. Although I have a much closer relationship, understanding, and feel slightly less like a toddler when it comes to his word, still no clap of thunder epiphany of how to get out of our mess. Instead, I got a whisper that I needed to stay in the Word, study it. So I signed up for the first inductive Bible study that was at a time I could make work. I also signed up for prayer warrior training as I figured maybe there was a secret in there. Through all of this, I began praying even harder. But in many ways, on the big things, he still seemed quiet. I had many epiphanies, one coming to the realization I was trying to figure out the secret to get what I wanted, a little under the guise that it would hopefully also be in line with his will, not the other way around. I was being self-absorbed, one of our human conditions, I think. Another big one for me was realizing that asking for general forgiveness once in a while wasn't really the point. Rather, I began searching for and praying for conviction for God to lead me to what I ought to be asking forgiveness for, for help in understanding how to repent for the things I was being convicted of. This made me feel like I was really getting it. Eventually, however, I realized, although this was important, my human nature was getting the best of me. As I was trying to please God, but so that he would tell me what his will was. I was actively trying to be worthy, hoping to hear, to earn him breaking a silence. I was getting so good at it. Although I confessed my feeling and asked for that to change, I was feeling like, what the heck? I've done this and that. Why won't you answer me? Why won't you help me? At points, I was getting angry at our perfect creator. I was starting to second guess. How can you tell me to do this? I do it and nothing. I felt frust frustrated, angry, and abandoned. I mean, hey, this is the best I've ever been. You've answered me before. Why won't you answer me now? I was sitting there waiting for an earthly reward. Selfish. Grace is a gift that cannot be earned. We need to focus on his glory, on glorifying him. We can't please him except by becoming righteous through faith in Christ. It really has nothing to do with our actions. If we manage to battle our humanity and the enemy and manage to act well, it is not us that deserves the credit. It is the gift of the Spirit that enabled us to get it right for his glory, by his grace, for his plan. So where does that leave us? In the Bible study I was referring to, I had a bit of an epiphany when Beth was explaining why follow certain wisdoms like the Sabbath, the commands versus the man-made rules versus doctrine versus the law. I realized his daily will for us is to live by his wisdom. Not so that we can please him. He doesn't need us to please him. He is perfect. But rather, his rules, truth, and wisdoms found in the word are for our, for our benefit. Let me explain. We were, we were created to need redemption. In the Old Testament, 
It showed us over and over how that no matter what he does for us and how hard we try, we can't make ourselves righteous. It educated us and prepared us for understanding the need for redemption and saving. The example of the lamb to prepare us for understanding Christ and what he did for us. The example after example of trying to fight ourselves to obey and falling short of the glory of God. It was always the plan, not old and changed and now new, his perfect plan all along. We please him like a child pleases a father. When we live by the rules, wisdom, word, he sees our peace, joy, and growth. He knows what is best. It's not about exercising control or power. Why would he have given us free will then? It's to teach us and mold us and help us. The rules are the best shot we have at happiness, not because we are doing what he tells us to, but because what he tells us to is for our own good and benefit. Think about any of them. Thou shall not murder. How would we feel if we gave in to the kind of evil we would need to murder? How would our world be? How would we fear for our own lives if this wasn't a common rule for all? Faith, his word, church, fellowship, rejoicing, praising, Sabbath, tithing, all of it. Not to enforce or not because we have any hope of measuring up, but for our benefit that only he can truly fully understand. Us guessing is like trying to find a needle in a haystack. It's funny how I'm discovering the rules and I'm excited by them now that I understand they are a gift. They aren't a yardstick to measure us by, whereas Brian dreaded the rules, seeing them more as a source of shame and guilt rather than coming from love. It was about fear for him. He wasn't really and truly grasping the love part. He always believed in Christ. Christ died for us, but as for the earthly joy of that knowledge, the gift of personal relationship with Christ in the here and now, it was rather lost on him. The spirit in us helps. It helps guide us to be convicted so that we know when we are off track. We need to make an active practice of searching for conviction where the spirit is less effective. The spirit will help us to desire his love and to be close to him, to keep our hearts from getting hard and falling away. It help remi helps remind us we need forgiveness, but remember we are still imperfect. The closer we come to heeding the wisdom benefits us, not him. He loved first. Celebrate the righteousness received from faith in Christ, not our works. Have faith and receive, receive his grace and then rejoice. I believe it was in James where it says, Do not be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. So how silly are we to th try and think that we can direct God's plan? We need to prepare, to learn, to listen, so we are ready for his will when he is ready to use us for his glory. And in the meantime, we have the gift of Christ as something to strive to be more like, and the gifts of the commands, rules, scriptures, and wisdom to govern our time here in the best way possible in a world of free will. This is what strikes me hugely. The wisdom is the reward in and of itself to navigate this world in the most wise way possible, in the most peaceful way possible. Remember, by God's grace, we are made righteous. He brings peace to the righteous. Grace is given by faith in him, not by works. In 2 Timothy, it explains, Continue in what you have learned. The holy scriptures make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that as servants of God, we are equipped for every good work. So as I sit here listening, maybe I'm not fully equipped yet. So the will, you could say, I currently hear is, have faith, true faith that he has a plan, Believe in Christ for my eternal salvation, as it is only through him that I can be redeemed. And just know that whatever is going on is part of his plan. The best I can do is rejoice that I have salvation, follow that wisdom, and hopefully it'll make it easier on me while I wait, and continue to equip myself for every good work by being in the word, 
following the wisdom and searching myself for conviction of what he wants me to learn next. We would do good to remember we are cautioned to live by God's standard, not ours, not our doctrines, God's standard. The commandments, although pleasing to him when we keep them, are a gift for us, a script for how to live in love and peace and harmony. My personal favorite example of this is in Galatians, Fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And that's where I'm at right now. Still in a tough spot, but not expecting an immediate answer. Being okay with that. Remembering, just follow the wisdom. Stay in the word and prepare. It's not unlike weight loss. Just follow the rules and eventually we'll see results. (laughs) Right now, life is hard. Patience is hard. It's quite clear God wants us right where we're at. I've always heard, yes, we need to have faith, but you also need to take action. We've had a clear, we haven't had a clear direction, but we've continually taken any action that should produce some result. We tried to remortgage, to sell, to rent, and other logical things that would normally produce some result, even if it wasn't his plan. But loud and clear, the answer is wait, as nothing has happened as a result of any action. We did have one loud wait when our neighbor's house burnt down. We had a vacant house listed for sale, so we did take it off the market and let him live there so he could watch his rebuild. So here we are, waiting. We have some sort of odd calm and peace since we have realized he wants us right where we are right now. It's not necessarily total peace. It's pretty stressful. (laughs) As we all know, Satan works harder when we get closer to God's plan, but rest in God, he gives us the tools to resist, to recognize, and to cast away. We have to make the choice daily as we are stubborn. We do what we see. We slack on the rules. Things aren't peaceful, and we have to constantly choose to stay focused on Jesus. We daily are trying not to put our own conditions and opinions on the rules. It, for example, doesn't say honor your husband unless. No, it says honor your husband, period. He doesn't say follow any of the rules unless insert excuse. Follow them no matter what, and you will experience the peace and see the wisdom. Or alternatively, if you don't, you'll have trial and turmoil, not necessarily as punishment, but because there is wisdom in every single rule. It is in the rules that all things that belong to him are held together. If something is not in line with him, he who never changes, it is not good. Remain in love to experience God's fullness, as then God's love remains in you. When I was reading the Bible, it was clear. If you rebel against the rules too long, your heart may harden. We don't want a hard heart. Look at Pharaoh or Judas. Eventually, you may be lost and not come back. As you get closer, you may be tempted by Satan, as he will work harder against you so that you don't save others or so that you yourself are lost. Christ dwells in your heart through faith. God's love is beyond logic, beyond anything. When you feel love or compassion and a desire to act, to help, to love, don't let Satan block it with excuses. Trust God. Part of faith is that for reasons we may not see, no matter what is going on, we stay in the word. We search for conviction. We repent. We follow the rules. And that is our best case scenario while we wait for direction. We will fall short of the glory of God, but don't stop. I made a commitment for being in the word. Like with all things, as soon as you give yourself an excuse, it's a slope of continually lowering the bar and redrawing your line. Make a commitment to prepare and be ready. Have passion about the word. Others will see this and see your real passion in Christ. It is infectious. The judgmental among us may have forgotten that by being prideful in their ability to follow the rules, they are themselves not following the rules. If they are judging, they need to convict themselves. If we give... 
the glory to God and constantly check our pride by seeking conviction every day. Maybe we won't come across as proud, holier than thou, but rather humble servants who are very aware of our shortcomings. Some assume we think we are better rather than we just know we kind of suck and we need saving. We need to remember all glory and credit is to God. Even if we're good at the rules, it's only because God's spirit is in us and he has enabled us to be. If you think I got this, be careful or you might get proud. And then you can't be giving the glory to God and therefore you've got it wrong. Jesus didn't come to destroy sinners, he came to save them. We need to invest ourselves in the kingdom daily, in his word. Do not let our need for comfort, security, and desires prevent us from investing in and serving the kingdom. Ask for daily conviction for him to reveal himself to you. Ask every day with a true desire, let me bring glory to your name today. Sure puts your day in perspective, doesn't it? Remind yourself we know the end of the story so we can have faith today. Be ready for what he may call you to do. Have faith and patience that if you look for him, he will spring forth with a road where there was only wilderness before. Reading the Bible affirms that we are, in fact, kind of jerks. You might say sinners, although it really is an interesting story. Just when you think someone is worthy or righteous or has a hope, pride or something gets them, and again, we're disappointed. Isn't that the point, though? The Old Testament showed us we need saving. We don't learn. We're never out of the woods. Jesus is the only way. And even after finding him, we fight every day to battle our humanity. All we can do is live by the rules the best we can to make life better here and praise the Lord for sending us Jesus. Remember, direction, rules, conviction are known to you when you spend time daily in the word. If we aren't daily in the word, we can't help but get distracted. If we rely only on what is taught, we are too vulnerable to being taught from the wrong worldly or worse yet, evil source. We are here because we know we don't got this. Quite the opposite. We are here because, or ought to be here, not because we think we're better, but because we know we need saving. Not just in the big picture of eternal life, we know how important that is, but daily. Or we'd all be jerks, get hard hearts, be in turmoil. Let's face it, we all are selfish, we are sinners, we are human. No matter how long we're here, we're sinners who need saving. But who every day need the Holy Spirit, the rules, and then through God's grace, sometimes we are less selfish. Following the rules isn't something we do because God needs us to make him happy. It's because he loves us that he gave us the rules to make us better. Refer to David, one person we often think of as righteous, as not a jerk. He broke the rules and then had a lot of headaches. In other words, there's merit in what is being believed, not in who is believing it. Remember this when we start to get proud or think we ought to earn our salvation and want a reward for trying. The trying is for our benefit, living in the wisdom. Well, we hope to follow up soon to tell you the waiting is over and we found out his plan, his calling for his works, whether that be on a small scale in our family or something more. I know that's why Millerville Church resonated so well with us. We found our home in God's kingdom in this church. Beth contextualized what she is teaching from the word, not assuming you know the context or the background, truly teaching the word in a way for all levels to understand. We feel no judgment here. The meet and greet you where you're at is wonderful. It's often hard to comprehend when you weren't a family raised in church or if you were raised in church but seem to have missed some of the most important parts of relationship with Christ. Many churches don't seem to get that, this. God knew that would be a problem. On many occasions, the disciples tried to shove someone away or judge them. Jesus showed them every single time, love, not judge. We feel like this church has accomplished that. Jesus only seemed to boldly show disappointment in the Pharisees and teachers primarily for judging and power-mongering and judgment of others. He didn't teach judgment, he taught love. 
as a church, I hope we can continue to emulate that love the best we all can, God willing. Remember, Christ's work is finished. Before he died, he said, it's finished. The price for our sins is paid. May we continue to rest in his promises. When Beth asked us to share, I thought, why now? Testimony before he delivers us? I can't say how our faith got us through this and here's this miraculous thing. But instead, how he put us here in pain long enough for us to be desperate enough to learn his will was that we get the gifts of the command. For Brian, he started seeking a personal, dynamic, and two-way relationship with Jesus, reviewing all he had dreaded and learning to truly trust in him and to search for conviction, not fearing guilt, but in anticipation of the gift of a soft heart. Thank you, and may God make all of our path for his glory. We didn't have this as part of our testimony, but it kind of came last night. So we just want to leave you with this verse from Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in, G in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace be with you think that that's very encouraging and I wanted to um, while they were sharing the Lord gave me um, this verse for you but it's really a verse for all of us because we go through trials and sometimes those trials go on for quite a few years and we're not um, delivered from the trial but look at what um, the Lord's been doing with Micah and with Brian and their family and what they've been learning so this is from James um, Chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for these precious um, parents husband and wife for Micah and Brian, for how important they are in their family and how important they are in our family. And Lord, we just ask that you would be with them as they continue through some trials that, um, for sure, all of us really dislike those trials. But in it, you promise us that you are producing in us endurance, and that endurance has um, for us a faith that will make it so that we really are lacking in nothing. And so we would ask that your hand would be on them, that you would bless their family, that you would keep them through um, difficulties. And we do pray for deliverance from those difficulties. We thank you, Lord, that you care for us no matter what we're going through. And for others that are here that are going through trials, oh, Lord, I just pray that Micah and Brian's story might encourage them as they trust you, as they depend on you, as they believe that you are carrying them through difficult times. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It is our desire to direct people to the Lord Jesus Christ, the source of all life, hope, and true transformation. Our Sunday service starts at 10.30 a.m. and runs till noonish, so all are welcome. Coffee and snacks are served. Children's church and child care are available.